Welcome to Mindset, Mood and Movement, a systemic approach to human behavior, performance and well-being. Our psychological, emotional and physical health are all connected. And my guests and I endeavor to share knowledge, strategies and tools for you to enrich your life and work. Hello and welcome. I'm joined today by my guest Mark Wingfield and we're going to be covering some really interesting but some quite sensitive areas around how do we handle adversity, trauma, tragedy and threats and using what Mark uses in the psychosensory approach called the havening technique which we're going to go into and learn more. Uh, a little care note, we are going to be talking about some sensitive issues around trauma so please be aware there is some sensitive content it doesn't go too deep and mark explains things in a way that's very professional and very safe but hopes to share that there are ways to overcome difficulties and traumas and some of the bad things that may happen so i want you to be aware of that now mark is as we said a havening trainer and he's a speaker he also works with adrenal stress programs and really helps people come to their full potential so i'm really excited to have mark share with us today the processes that he works with and I don't know much about the havening technique myself so I'm going to sit back a little more on this one and become a learner too to learn about how this approach might help all of those areas that we've spoken about adversity trauma tragedy threats and and perhaps how we can apply that for ourselves, and how you might learn more to take forward welcome Mark good to have you thank you Sal lovely to be here Mark, I'm intrigued because you've already shared to me this lovely approach that you do. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I'd like to go a little deeper. Like, how did you get to this point in your life? So you became the practitioner of havening. And what is that? Well, that's that's a really good question. And I'll I'll give you a potted history because it could take a long time to unpack that. But it was, I, I didn't come to havening by the normal route. Within the havening community, we have people who are died in the wall psychotherapists, very experienced, very capable, come from all sorts of different backgrounds using all sorts of different modalities. We have neuroscientists, we have psychologists, we have really very experienced people. And then there's me. And I, I came to Havening because I'm curious. And you have to be curious to, to look at Havening. That's all, all you have to ask for because Havening will, will do the rest. But I come from a background where I'm a very experienced trainer and my business had evolved into primarily providing conflict management and I had a particular niche in helping people with aggression and violence although that wasn't all that I did and somebody said to me one day oh you ought to get into havening you know I said sorry I've been to havering what on earth is havening? I said, no, no, you don't understand. It's about putting people in a safe haven. I said, well, okay, so how does that apply to me? And I'd mentioned to this individual that on my courses where, the aggression and violence courses, where the way that we work is quite intimidating at times, it's designed to be scary so that people experientially learn how to deal with nasty stuff and be successful. But because it's scary, sometimes using the methodology we use, some people can't access it because they're like, crikey, what's he going to say to me? What's he going to do? And they've had prior trauma 
and they're just not in a place to even be in the same room to see that sort of stuff happen. So I was curious, and I thought, well, I'll talk to the guy that's running the training course, and I'll talk to some people that I know have been involved in Haven. And so I, I first spoke to a lady called Annie, and the reason I did that was because I saw a picture of Annie as a demonstration volunteer in a Havening session. I thought, that's Annie. What's she doing there? So I phoned her up and said, what's this Havening about? She said, oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Okay. Tell me, tell me more. Anyway, so she told me more about it, how she got immediate relief from some issues she'd had. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. So I phoned up the guy afterwards who was running the training. And he said, look, be as sceptical as you like. He said, I was because it just sounds far too good to be true. You know, you rub your arms or stroke your face and or your palms, and it all goes away. He said there's a lot more to it than that, of course, but it's backed by neuroscience. It was developed by a neuroscientist who became a GP. He's, in fact, he's just retired after 40 years as a GP. And he said, you know, if you think it can help you, and I was thinking about a one-to-one -one treatment for those people that couldn't access the scary training. He said, if you're interested, you know, come along to the training and um, make of it what you will. So I came along fairly sceptical, but intrigued. The words of Annie ringing in my ears, thinking, well, there's something to this, clearly, but what it is, I don't know. I sat down, and one of the first things we did was we had a demonstration. And I saw a lady called Patty, who I'm still in contact with now, and she had had a, an awful situation where Briefly put, her mum had died very suddenly on the operating table. And Patty had said to her mum that morning, look, mum, stop worrying about the operation. You're going to be fine. I'll see you later. And of course, she never saw her mother again. So she was traumatised by her last words, her last argument with her mum, you know, the memory of that. And I saw her over a period, I think it was about half an hour, something, maybe 40 minutes maximum. And we saw this transformation in Patty, where she, she explained what the problem was initially. And, you know, there were tears. Every time she thought of a mum, over the years, there were always tears. And the trainer took her through very expertly. And I was just watching what he was doing and thinking, okay, this, he's obviously got a focus here and there were more tears, briefly. But then there was this change, and she seemed a lot calmer. And anyway, it was called to a close, the demonstration, and Patty turned to the audience, and and there were tears streaming down her face. I thought, oh, it hasn't worked, because she's still crying. And she could see the incredulity on the audience's faces, and she said, no, 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 they, these, are, these are tears of joy. She said, I can't believe I'm thinking about my mum and I'm not really, really upset. I'm so unburdened. I can't remember exactly the word she used, but it was kind of, oh, I've dropped the shackles. And I thought, ooh, okay. So we then had a cup of coffee and I went over to Patty. I said, what, what happened there? And she said, I don't know, but this is just amazing. So I was hooked, and so did the two days training. And by the end of it, I was a little bit competent in delivering Havening.
and that started, that was 2015. No, 2014, sorry. And I, I certified in 2015 after doing all my case studies and science review and so on. So that's, that was my bizarre way into Havening. And I didn't really use it for, in a great way, in a great way, in a, in a, very regularly, I should say. I used it in a great way, in lots of ways, lots of relief for people. But anyway, it took me a while to get into it because I was very busy doing my other stuff. And then lockdown happened. And all my business died overnight because practically all of it was face-to-face. -face. The lovely thing about Haven is you can do it online as well. So I've helped people in North America, in Asia, all over the world, just through things like Zoom or Skype or whatever else. And I thought, well, maybe I can you know, pick up the crumbs of a business here and you know, at least earn some money because I had no money coming in whatsoever. And anyway, so that reset me. And I'd been asked to be a Havening trainer before. I'd helped out on the very first French training in 2015. I speak fluent German. I'd helped the first German online training in 2021. And I thought, yeah, timing's right now. So anyway, so I've been doing it for a couple of years now as a, as a trainer adding havening to existing leadership and conflict management stuff that I've been doing in the past. And so that bit convoluted how I got here, but that's the, that's the story, basically. That's, that's how I got to be involved in havening on a regular basis. And it's my primary focus now because I love it. Thank you. That's really, really interesting. I'm intrigued by your sort of, um, skepticism as well, because Certain practices, there's many practices in the world for all sorts of needs, modalities. And, and yes, sometimes things can sound too good to be true. I had an old friend that used to say like, you know, always, if you're going to experience something in life, try to experience it, suspend judgment till you've experienced it. And then you'll know. And I, and exactly. I really, I've always taken that sort of premise forward and it, it's intriguing. Oh, I, I, I'll make a point. Trauma is something I've worked with both uh, from my psychotherapeutic origins. Mm -hmm. It's in my, with friends and people I know. So I understand that trauma is, there's layers of trauma and levels of it, but it's, it's tough and it's, and it's difficult. So if, if, um, if you're listening and this is a little triggering for you, obviously just be mindful to be uh, okay with this and, and choose like whether this is right. But Mark and I will obviously aim to hold the space safely. Um, and I'm really interested because you mentioned to me about conflict management and, and the scary stuff, which when I think about something like havening and healing and that loveliness, that healing of us, that's wonderful, isn't it? But when we mentioned about violence and conflict management, that's the scary stuff. And it piqued my interest because I did a course uh, a while back with a company called Pilgrims with their own setup in a village where we went through um, hostage training. And it was for overseas mm -hmm. uh, people yep. like journalists and uh, foreign officials. I was fortunate enough to join them for various reasons. And it was, I think, three days of training where we were put through literally hostile ambushes, explosions, mm -hmm. really intimidating stuff. And I understand that some of the work you've done. What intrigues me is how an individual like you has got that field. Like, you know, that's a scary place, that almost like warfare style, violent place. And yet now you're blending mm -hmm. into the haven in the healing space. How do you manage that? How have you, not manage it, I would say. Perhaps I'm intrigued about how do you bring the skills and understanding from both of those spaces to, to work and to help people? That's a really good question. And I think that's my opening into Haven. That, that's how I start to empathize and understand about people who had been traumatized. I I'm consider myself very lucky in that I don't believe, because we don't always know, that... 
I've had any really severe trauma in my life. But I know many, many people that have. And sometimes they wouldn't class it as trauma. It's just, well, that's, I grew up. Well, okay. But that could be quite traumatic. Uh, environments can be traumatic. We talk about the landscape of the brain within Havening and that has a huge impact on whether somebody will be traumatised and whether somebody else will not be, even though two people observe or experience exactly the same thing. But I, I saw people in my work dealing with aggression and violence who were not in a good place. And we, we worked and still work with frontline staff who've been assaulted, whether that's verbal or physical. And in fact, my very first commercial application of Havening was, I happened to know the managing director of a railway company, because I'd worked with him in another company many, many years before. And he said, oh, I wonder if you can help this woman who's been sexually assaulted in the line of her work. She was serving food and drink on a train. I won't go into the detail of what happened, but she... It happened just before she was going on holiday. And she left the train, having endured that experience, and she wasn't going back. She was, I'm done. I can't go back on that train. I'll be in the same place, same day, every day, if I go back. And she was going off for two weeks' holiday. And the, the company contacted me and said, look, this lady's had this awful experience. Can you help her? I said, I don't know. I don't know the circumstances, but I'm very happy to talk to the lady if, if she'll allow me to. And we had an initial telephone call. Explained my background, what I intended to do if she allowed me to. And whether she wanted to do it over the phone, or on Zoom, or whatever. Or whether she'd like me to do it in person, because the company had already given me that brief that they, they were happy to fund it. So she said, no, I'd, I'd rather do it in person. So I said, okay. So I went up to, uh, to Hull, where she was based. And got a private office, and she'd come in, especially on a holiday. And, you know, she, she seemed fine on the outside, and then we started talking and saw the police report, and not very nice stuff. And lovely thing about Haven is you don't have to talk about it. So I said, tell me as much as you feel comfortable with. She said, well, I don't really want to talk about it. All the details in the police report. So I said, okay, let me just read the police report. Read the police report, and I thought, okay, right, I've got enough information. said about um, looking at how I was going to help her, explained the methodology, got her permission. In fact, I asked her permission. I said, this is a psychosensory probe. It involves touch. Now, I fully understand if you don't want me coming anywhere near you, particularly based on what you've just been through. Strangely, she actually allowed me to, but the touch is only on the shoulders on the arms, the face, and the palms of the hands. So it's not intrusive, but you do need to seek permission, clearly. And so I, she'll allow me to apply to the arms and shoulders. And within 40 minutes, the emotional distress had gone. And she was looking at me, kind of, what, what's just happened? What have you done? Is it really gone? And I said, yeah, it's a permanent process. It's a biological change that we've effected here, you and me. And she was grinning from ear to ear. Well, I love my job. That means I can go back to my job. That's fantastic. So that was brilliant. 
first place. But I looked at my watch and I thought, well, it certainly took 40 minutes. So I've come all the way from the Midlands up to Hull and the company's paid me to do this. Got a bit more time yet. And I said this to her, I said, look, you know, the company's very kindly funded this. Is there anything else we can help you with? And she said, oh, I don't know. What, what, what do you mean? I said, well, for example, this works really well on phobias because phobias are a form of traumatisation. I said, oh, well, I've got a couple of phobias. Okay. Yeah, she, got, she said, I'm a bit embarrassed. It's a clown phobia. I said, okay. Oh, and an ant phobia. Right. Not combined? Didn't happen at the same... No, 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 they're quite set. Important to check. Anyway, so we worked on the clown phobia and cleared that very quickly because it was based on some scary films that she'd seen as a child. And that was event havening, just like the incident on the train. If it's event-based, one-off, not associated with other things, it's relatively easy and quick to clear, permanently. And then the antiphobia is when she was a little girl, she was in the woods and she was playing with some friends, laid down, and her head got covered in ants. You know, she happened to lie on an ant hill or something, and then that started it all off. So, again, that was cleared really quickly. And so, within a short space of time, she was very happy. And she said, oh, um, are we done then? I said, well, I'm very happy to work with you any further. If there's anything you'd like to, to work on in terms of development, because havening is brilliant for trauma and nasty stuff, but it's also wonderful to build resilience, to build capability, and there's a whole other side to havening, which isn't talked about that much, but is just as valid and, and very useful. In fact, half the people I train as practitioners come from the coaching world rather than the trauma world. Anyway, so I, I did a few bits and pieces with them. Not really that much after that. She was very happy. She kind of skipped out of the office. And the, the health and safety manager came in, looking shocked. He said, she's just given me a hug. She never gives me a hug. What have you been doing? So I said, well, all with her permission. I you know, did this, blah, 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 blah. And he said, it's amazing. He said, I've never seen her like that before. So I said, well, you know, that's, that's kind of what happens. And he sat down and said, we need to talk because we can never let this happen ever again to our staff. And that's why we sat down and talked about training all of their staff. And, and that's what we did so that their assaults dropped from very high, unacceptable level to three assaults. These are verbal assaults in 180,000 journeys. And he's the health and safety guy. He measured it meticulously. Also encouraged people to report things they might just think minor, you know, you... I won't use the expletives here, but, you know, just you, whatever, that would be shouted across the gate line or across the carriage, that sort of stuff, that would be recorded as a verbal assault. So there are 380,000 journeys, which is how they measure the stuff. And so that was wonderful. And the, the HR lady came in and said, what's, what's been going on? You know, she wants to come back to work. She was saying she didn't want to come back to work. I mean, we're pleased delighted but we kind of we didn't expect it to be this quick so that's what Havening can do and it was a, a lovely blend it kind of mirrors going back to what I was saying earlier about how you can help somebody who's been in a really nasty violent in this instance situation and just help them grow lose stuff that's happened in the past and move on in fact the book that started this all which was written by a guy called Dr. Ron Rudin back in 2010, is called When the Past is Always Present. 
fantastic book title. And it's all about causes of traumatization. And you learn how traumatization occurs as a as a trauma therapist, as a practitioner. And then how you and, and the encoding process that's with you for life to protect you. And then you learn how the biology of that and how with havening you can reverse the encoding process. Now, if it's event havening, it's pretty straightforward. If it's far more complicated, and you talked about layers earlier, and I often refer to a layers of an onion, you know, you you take away something, great, got some relief. Oh, something underpinning that. Oh, okay, let's get rid of that one. And, you know, if it's very complex, like complex PTSD, for example, then it'll take a lot longer. But it's still remarkably quick compared to most approaches. So, yeah. Not at all. That's intriguing. Absolutely intriguing. I'm, I'm wondering if you could go just a little into the science because I, I, a certain amount, I don't know where we were, what, how we're going to scale it, but you know, how neural states as in fight, flight, flow, freeze, or shut down the different nervous system states. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, we, I mentioned I'm a breathwork practitioner yep. teacher, and that is a great mediator of emotional regulation for a lot of people. And it's something I, I mm-hmm. really, you know, I'm, I'm teach with my coaching clients and, and people are just like, even the basics, just get the basics right. But I, I'd love you to say a little more about the the kind of the science of, of of how that might happen. So you mentioned touch. You mentioned that you might touch the sort of shoulder area of a person and the outer arm area and perhaps the palms. Now, I know a lot about the hands. There's, there's more neural stimulation, i.e. there's more nerves in your hands and lips and tongue than anywhere else in the body. <laughs> so yeah. the motor, homo, homo, I can never say the word, homoculus. <laughs> but there's part of the brain that has all this coding. <laughs> So hands are very powerful. We have a lot of yes. sense in our hands, certainly as a uh, as an experiencer or as a practitioner. So tell me, can you say a little more about how if if I was if I was like, oh, I've got this problem, and I hear you can help with that. How would a contact point of the shoulder or a contact point of the arm? How does what's the science that you have around that? How does that actually work? Okay, it's it's probably useful to take a step backwards actually before we get to that point and talk about how just so that a listener can understand there is proper science behind this. Because when, when we are traumatised in the first place, um, there are things called gamma waves that are present all the time as brainwaves. There are lots of different types of brainwaves. But gamma wave will be the predominant brainwave type at time of traumatisation. It's a very, very fast, high-frequency wave, up to 100 waves per second. So, there's something awful happening. I need all my resources to... Do something about this. And your brain's going into multi, just working very, very hard to try and work out how do we how do we deal with this. When you have that brainwave operating, you have not only glutamate, which is critical part of the equation here, but because there is this gamma wave up operating up to a hundred something per second, very I'll, I'll keep this very headline stuff. It causes an oscillation at that speed of calcium. And I won't go through all the detail here because we don't have time. And I'd, I'd like to show pictures and so on when we're doing it as well. But essentially, at that very high oscillation, there's a, a number of consequences with neurotransmitters. And very, very simply and crudely put, you have receptors 
amperoceptors they're called, which now go onto the postsynaptic surface of the neuron within the amygdala, the emotional centre of the brain. And these are fixed for life with a kind of biological superglue, ready to protect you in the future. So whatever got you out of that scrape, whatever you needed to do to, to get out of it and be safe, it's now there as pre-programmed. This is what you do as your outcomes if something like this ever happens again. So any triggers that were there at the time of traumatization, sounds, sights, smells, touch, all these different things, maybe in colours, shapes. A bit like a phobia. You see a little shape running across the floor. You go, oh, spider. Whatever it might be that, that terrifies you. You automatically go, shift. You don't think about it cognitively. Your amygdala is working for you just slightly faster than the cognitive function and making you driving that behavior. So that, that's, that's traumatization. What happens with the touch that you mentioned is that when you touch in a certain way at certain points on the body, you generate something called a delta wave. So we talked about gamma waves before with this very high frequency up to 100 cycles per second. The delta wave is much, much slower. It's very soothing. It's 0.4 to up to 5 hertz. So 5 cycles per second, not the 100, up to 100. Very calming. And people, I'm sure, will relate to this, that delta waves are the ones that you get in really deep sleep. It's not when you were dreaming. It's, it's deep sleep where we're basically resorting the mental fighting cabinets. We're replenishing, we're recuperating from the day and we're getting ready for the next day. And interestingly, delta waves were the predominant brainwave when we were children, when we're learning, soaking up all this stuff that's going around us. And that dropped dramatically after our teenage years. So we are generating delta waves. You and, you and I right now, we're generating delta waves, but not many. It'd be very low level. However, suddenly if we start, I could probably hear on the microphone now, I'm stroking my arms, shoulders, we suddenly start generating delta waves, kind of artificially, but we're, we're doing them. And it feels nice, you know. If you had, if you were a little boy and you fell over Sal many years ago, you might have had a kindly friend or relative pick you up, dust you down, go, there, there, Sal, you'll be all right. Just stroke your arm and shoulder and you'll be, oh yeah, I'll be all right, yeah, thank you very much. And you get the delta waves, which are immediately soothing. And, again, crudely put, sending a signal that everything's okay. You're in this safe haven, which is where the name havening came from. The same thing happens. What do we do when we rub our palms together like this? We feel a soothing, calming feeling. That's the delta waves. And you're absolutely right. Loads and loads of receptors here. There are some skin-type C receptors that have been found only very recently. And that's helped pinpoint the research as to which are the most effective areas to go to. Another area is the cheeks of the face. And I'm now stroking the cheeks of my face. You can go under the eyes. You can do the forehead. And those three areas are just... We've known for millennia that they are soothing areas. So I'm not going to do it because I've got my headphones on. But I often demonstrate by going, Oh my goodness! And stroking my face. And that's what people do when they're really stressed. Like, oh, it's a self-soother. When we, when we rub our chin like this, 
you know, we're considering things, or maybe not too sure about this. It's a self-soother. There's a reason why we do it. It's a natural reason. So not only do you have this nice soothing feeling, but the touch that's that you're doing is changing the whole chemical makeup. So before I talked about the glutamate appearing, well, glutamate's still there, and calcium, that's still there. But because you've got this much, much lower oscillation of calcium, other neurotransmitters, and people will recognise words like serotonin and oxytocin, they're just some of the, the ones that people recognise, now come into the equation. And again, very crudely put, that combination of that cocktail of chemicals, if you like, cause a different chain reaction. And this time, instead of a superglue being applied to receptors that say, ooh, ooh, this happened before, you need to do this, there's kind of a biological superglue remover that takes away the, the glue that held those receptors together. So the receptors get recycled, and you lose the what could be the way you think about it, the way your body reacts, so autonomically, so you're you're breathing, you're blushing, a, a stammer of some kind, maybe, who knows. And any other somatosensory feelings, so pains, aches, posture, might be linked to how you feel about something or when something occurs. And and the emotional side. So you, you have different outcomes, which are much more pleasant <clears throat> and much more natural, rather than being <clears throat> that kind of response. So... That, that's why the touch is so important. And I've done, I've done demonstrations before now where I've had a, on Zoom, I, I remember it vividly, I did a demonstration for a little group. And there was, there must have been about six ladies in this group. And I said, by the way, we're all going to get a go to try this out and feel how soothing it is and just work on a mind and worry or anxiety. Nothing, nothing majorly traumatic, please. And you must do the Havening Touch, otherwise... It will not work. Okay, great, yeah. We did the, the exercise, and four out of the six said, oh, brilliant, fantastic, yeah, that's really good. Two of them said, oh, it didn't make any difference to me. And I was watching them, and I said, well, I did say that you need to apply Havening Touch all the time. You two ladies didn't. And as a result, it will not work. You can talk about it till the cows come home. Unless you actually apply, it won't work. So... I did a, a demonstration earlier this week. We had, I think we had 26 people in the room and all of them got relief from whatever it is they brought and they didn't have to tell me what it was. I just said, you must follow, please, when I ask you to, just touch and follow what I do with distractions and so on. And, you know, let's see where you are. So I asked them for what we call a subjective unit of distress before. So you think about something that is dis distressing right now. And then after we'd done this, we only did it for about five minutes. What's your subjective unit of distress now? Put it in the chat and we'll compare it. And I'm just looking around on my desk because I, I did have a piece of paper with numbers on. But anyway, they all went down. Some went down from an eight to a six. Some went from an eight to a zero. Some went from a five to a four. Some went from a... But they all went down. Some things are far more complex. and But it, it's just a lovely thing to be able to do. And these people now know what, what we call self-havening. So you can immediately down-regulate if you're worried about something, whatever it might be, because 
we're working on the amygdala, the emotional center of the brain. Havening is, is beautiful in that you don't have to have been severely traumatized to use it. You can use it just to, oh, I'm a bit worried about that exam that's coming up, or, or Maisie's gone out on that night out, that horrible boy, I don't like who he is. I'm just a bit concerned about her and what happens tonight, and I hope she doesn't drink too much tonight, or whatever it might be. If you're worried about somebody who's been going through COVID or you know, is not very well for some other reason, so many things you can work on just to just downregulate. One of my practitioners actually approached me earlier this week. I can't obviously divulge any details, but they are going through quite a horrible situation personally that's just happened. And they said, we know we can do self-having on ourselves. In fact, her husband trained with me as well. But we, we just want to do it with you because we'll just get rid of it and um, be able to function. Because at the moment it's really, really difficult. And, you know, we downregulate a bit ourselves, but we just want to, you know, really be able to cope. We're not coping very well at the moment. So, anyway, again, I'm rambling now. So, hopefully that gives you a bit of an yeah, insight. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I'm just kind of processing in my mind about that encoding. Mm. I, I remember doing work and, and training around what's called timeline therapy years ago and, oh, yeah. and various mm -hmm. things. Obviously, I mentioned you, I'm a yoga teacher. And what I see with a lot of, let's say, I mean, we use the word trauma. I'm just going to sort of express this. I mean, we've mentioned it. there's often two types of trauma, to loosely put it. There's capital T trauma, which could be something like extreme violence, uh, attacks, could be, you know, a horrible accident, something like that. And then small T trauma, which is maybe things like you didn't get seen so much by your parents when you were younger or at school. There was kind of, you were not really part of the group. But what happens with small T trauma, it's more surreptitious, I see. It's a, a lot of people... Uh, myself included, didn't really see that big a deal. Like, well, it wasn't that bad. But actually, there's this layering, and it's a bit because it's layered and it keeps happening. That can affect us mm -hmm. in a way as well. And I think if we go beyond the word into the experience that I've got something stuck, I'm stuck in a state, and I'm triggered by a certain set of conditions, and I would like to be free of that, I think is if we, if we take all the names and perhaps the descriptions, that's how I see a lot of this stuckness, you know, whether it be, you know, the really extreme trauma, a subtle trauma, or we just are over amped. You know, that amygdala is firing like crazy, like it's so amplified, it's so reactive. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've noticed is that a lot of people were saying, oh, there's a lot of anxiety around right now. Well, there was a world changing pandemic, you know, literally destabilizing everything from health to yep. uh, money to businesses. And there's a knock on effect to that stuff. And sometimes there's post-traumatic trauma, sometimes there's post-traumatic growth, which is another interesting field. Mm -hmm. But either way, yes, we wonderful humans, we are adaption machines. We adapt to the environment, whether that's, you know, the environment of the house or the business or the world around us. And that adaption may or may not be helpful. You know, sometimes it's a helpful, like a growth adaption. One's, and sometimes it's more of a stuck, like fear-based adaption. And I'm really intrigued how Based you... Based on what you've experienced. Yeah, yeah, what you said there about how that sort of yeah. encodes and like how we can sort of, let's say, loosen that encoding and re, re, retrain the system, so to speak, which is really, really fascinating. And um, as you know, this is an area where I'm just more in the, I'm more in the listener space today rather than adding a lot of the content. I, I asked you before we started recording, I'd like to be a client. I'd like to experience this on a simple mm -hmm. level. And 
for our listener if you want to join us and that it's safe for you to do so please do remember mind your own boundaries if it isn't and you just want to kind of listen in please do but i'm going to be a client uh and mark I'd, I'd, I'd love you to take me through a very simple perhaps demonstration that i can experience and if if our listener wants to join us well they, they certainly can come along would that be okay of mm. course yeah and I'll, I'll just kind of re-emphasize what you just said about making it safe please don't work on any deep trauma here because this isn't the environment to do that and a minor worry or anxiety, just so I mind earlier, the exam stress or worrying about a relative, that type of thing would be would be really useful. So what I ask people to do, and I'll ask you to do this some as well, is just concentrate on how whatever it is that bothers you, and you don't have to tell me, and I don't want you to tell me, how it makes you feel. And if it helps to close your eyes and just concentrate on that emotion. And if there's any feeling in your body that expresses that, it's a tightness in the throat or the chest or anywhere else just focus on and anything that maybe it's a recent event if you focus on what happened in that event who was there what was happening just pull together the detail any sights sounds smells just go back to that time if there was a time maybe a moment to do let me know when you've connected with that feeling Yes, yeah, so I've got a feeling, and I, it's kind of for me physically, it's happening in the sort of lower belly, lower abdomen. It's activity going on there. There's a little bit of activity coming up to the, my throat area. Uh, I'm just going to describe the okay. sensations. It's, it's, yeah, it's a tightening sense. There's a sort of a closing in sense. So I'll check okay. back in with this. Okay, thank you. And on a score of 0 to 10, where 10 is really horrendous, zero, it means nothing to you. Where would you put your number? It's about a five. It's it's kind of it's 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 not nice, but it's it's not that bad. So obviously, I've chosen something which isn't as you've already carefully guided, saying not, not, nothing too too deep. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a, it's an uncomfortable situation, and it's yeah, and my body's respond, responding to that. Okay, great. Thanks for doing. And you choose whichever paving touch you you prefer, whether it's the the shoulders, the face, the hands, and just just start applying that now, if you would, and just clear your mind. And I want you to go to your favourite place in the world, Sal. Where would that be? Hmm, question. Probably make you chuckle, but it's often the gym. <laughs> that's that's quite a that's quite an animated place. Um, in terms of a relaxed place, uh, I'd probably say by the beach early morning when it's really calm and still. Okay, so where where's the beach? It's near me in Brighton. Ah, okay. So it's a pebbly beach because I've been yes, on the right beach. Yeah. I want you to imagine that you're on the beach now and you're walking along and you hear the crunch of the pebbles. You can hear the waves crashing and you look out to the sea. And tell me what you would see on a, on a typical morning. Let's say it's a beautiful sunny day. You're early out there all by yourself. It'd be early and very few people around. Maybe a tiny bit of cloud in the distance, a little animated cloud structure, a lot of space. Uh, a lot of plasterly light because it's early. And then, yes, yeah, the sound, that gentle sound of the waves just gently lapping. Beautiful. And what kind of smells are there down there? Slightly salty air. Yeah. A little bit of the organic matter of the fish, perhaps, is a small amount. But yeah, mm -hmm. there's also a breeze. Yeah, so a light breeze on your yeah. face. Okay. Capture that as you're walking along, and each step that you're taking, hearing those crunching pebbles, you're feeling a little bit lighter, a little bit more comfortable. 
little bit more relaxed. Just getting rid of any tension there is that still remains in your throat or in your belly. Just let dissipate and feel comforted by this light caress of the wind, this beautiful pastely colours. Just being familiar, lovely thing to do in the morning, walking on the beat without a care in the world, looking out to sea, wonder what fantastic things the day will bring. Yeah, they're crashing the waves. Feel just rejuvenated by being in that space. Really, really happy, safe, comfortable, and calmed by this really, really lovely experience. Walk in that space and look around in your mind's eye. What can you see now, Sal, as you look around? You see my dogs. Ah, okay. What kind of dog are you? I've got two. I've got a, a Cocker Spaniel and a Pointer. Lovely. And what are their names? Chester and Hugo. Fantastic. And so what are Chester and Hugo doing? Running around. <laughs> Scampering Making about. probably quite a racket on the pebbles. Yeah. And do they, do they bark much? Not too much. Okay. So they're just having fun together. They play together nicely. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So today they're playing together really nicely and just feel the joy of seeing them playing, being in that safe space, feeling really happy, comfortable, just without a care in the world. I'm going to take a little pause then, just check in with yourself, mm. see how you're doing. So... If you were to go back to thinking about the, the uncomfortable feeling that you that you had before and whatever it was that you were working on, you gave me a five previously. Are you still at the same number? No, it, it seems like a three now. Two, three. Yeah, it's definitely a, an easing. Yeah, easing down. Brilliant. And that was, that was a few minutes. Mm. So clearly, if we were doing a one-to-one, -one, I'd be be finding out a lot more information about you and background and what we're looking to work on but that's something that I do which is very anonymous people come on to a, an intro as I do I do these at, at least every month it's free of charge people come along and they just get to experience havening be curious and try things out before prejudging saying this is just a load of rubbish <laughs> well you can call it a load of rubbish if it doesn't work for you but it it always does. Yeah, intrigue. Because it's a natural biochemical change to our system. And if you if you work with a certified practitioner, they understand this encoding, they understand how to reverse the encoding process, and they've gone through a rigorous process of learning how to do that so that, you know, they are in a good place to help you very quickly, you know, compared to any anything that's mm -hmm. else. It's really... Uh, some will be... Some will be hugely experienced psychotherapists, yeah. some will be great coaches, others will be oddballs like me that come to it from a you know, slightly different angle. Well, thank you. So, yeah, the listener, if you've uh, joined us with that, I hope you're feeling good uh, and that uh, your own experience. Uh, to share mine, it was intriguing. Just I was using the outer arm touch, quite a gentle arm, wearing a T-shirt, so I could feel my hands on the, on the sort of skin of the upper arm. Yeah, and there's a, there was a natural 
for me, it felt very embodied. I'm, I'm lucky because of all the practice I do, I am embodied and, and I have worked with people that literally have got no connection with their body because of things like a trauma event. So there are, you know, nuances to this. But my experience, which is important to share, was was to bring the visual and the physical together. That was my takeaway. I really found that helpful and very useful to have a very visual experience, one that you guided nicely in an elegant uh, way into a happy space. Um, and to have that feeling as opposed to only using perhaps a visualization, which was, which of mm -hmm. course is, is, is you already explaining to us that that's the, the havening process. And it kind of made me think what you mentioned about as, as if I was a kid and, you know, maybe fell over and someone picked you up. And it's funny, isn't it? How we, we seem to have lost contact with the humanity, the natural state, the things that that's utterly imbued in us as human beings, because mm -hmm. it's not okay to, you know, touch someone or, if you if your family has a Victorian line, you might have got a pat on the head or something like that. They're there, you know, that natural physical touch between human to human or from yourself. And the impact that your encoding system does, whether that's you know, positive or negative, it's fascinating. So thank you for taking yeah. us through that, that exercise. You're very I feel welcome. very calm and very chill now. It's lovely. <laughs> Good. I'd just like to throw in, if I may, just to add to that, that some people do struggle with visual stuff. And we've got other ways of doing it. So if people are thinking, well, that didn't work for me because I'm, I'm I'm, I can't do visual stuff. People tend to be in the minority on that. But we just access it in different ways. And we do different distractions. And distractions are only one part of it anyway. I, I've taken you through, again, that's event hate that I've just done to teach you and be listening. Not to very simply use self-havening. But there are, so many, there are 10 different types of havening that I train. And... Event is just the easiest, quickest, cleanest. And so we always start there yeah, if yeah. we can. Lovely. Really lovely. Well, we started off the, the show kind of saying about how we could touch on some of the difficult stuff that happens to people in life, you know, from anxiety to anguish to trauma. Mm -hmm. And these are big fields. And, and I know, Mark, you've, you've been very sensitive. I too, we just want to echo that, you know, sometimes life is tough and bad things happen and that's really hard. So I guess the, the sentiment here is there are different practices there are different processes that you can reach out to you can find out about and havening being one of them as a way to heal to grow to grow beyond the pain i, I heard a lovely phrase once and I, i'm afraid i can't say it's author because I, I can't remember but they said you know really good growth work whether it's therapeutic coaching it doesn't matter is to grow far bigger than the problem ever was and i love that that's, that's oh, nice. a really powerful statement mm -hmm. and so i i, I I hope, dear listener, that if you've got a challenge, if you've got some some stuff that's stuck, that this gives you an opening to start reaching out, whichever way you want to reach out. This is one way, uh, but of course, we'll leave details for Mark's contact about Havening and, and how you can learn more uh, in the show notes, of course, so people can reach out to you directly and learn. Um, Thank you. That'll be really interesting. Wow. So I've learned myself. I was quiet on this episode. Normally, I'm quite a conversationist <laughs> as part of, our, of the podcast. Uh, but today I was kind of sitting back and just taking on board this this process, which I don't know about. And I'm and I'm really, you know, I'm very lucky. I've learned something today. I always love learning. So thank you, Mark, for sharing your experience, your history, and how you've come to this process. Um, and it's wonderful. It sounds a really lovely process that can be applied at different levels of intensity for different practitioners, both self Indeed. and professional. So it's lovely to learn about that. And I'm really thank you for your time. So, dear listener, I trust, as always, that you've gleaned and taken something from that that's going to be helpful for you. And 
take it further. Whatever you need, take it further to end and I hope you heal and hope you have a flourishing rest of your day. Mark, thank you, dear listener. Thank you. I'll speak to you on the next one. Thanks, Al. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe. And if a friend would benefit from hearing this, do send it on to them as well. If you would like to get in touch yourself, then you can go to my website, which is saljeffries.com, spelled S-A-L-J-E-F-F-E-R-I-E-S, saljeffries.com. Hit the Get In Touch link, and there you can send me a direct message. If you'd like to go one step further and learn whether coaching can help you overcome a challenge or a block in your life, then do reach out and I offer a call where we can discuss how this may be able to help you. Until the next time, take care.